who unite together to help each other through life. So uh, like Celebrate Recovery, they meet at our weight room area, uh, three to five. So if you need to know directions, see David and uh, Debbie. Also, they have a table over here to the side. You probably see the Celebrate Recovery table. Uh, I think David stays there at the end of service. So if you have questions, ask him. Uh, he can tell you the location. Uh, but they meet at three to five on uh, Sunday nights. Tonight, we're having family fun night. We were supposed to have it last week, uh, but uh, the storms had other, other situations. So Wildwood Pool called us up in the afternoon and says, uh, well, we're having storms and lightning, and it's probably not a good time to be in the pool. So uh, I, my daughter, I don't know if I, I share with some of you, my daughter's being baptized tonight, so I'm excited. Yeah. Not to embarrass her or anything, but uh, last Sunday afternoon, I took my daughter, I said, hey, come on, let's look at the window. And it was pouring down rain. The thunder was rolling. You could see some lightning. And I said, Bailey, I don't think that the enemy wants you to be baptized tonight. She said, that's okay. Well, we're going to be baptized sometime. So she's, she's ready to be baptized. But, uh, so we postponed it from last week to tonight. So tonight, at 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at Wildwood Pool. It's off of 460. If you know where 7-Eleven is on 460, turn by 7-Eleven and go back into that neighborhood. Uh, but if you have any questions about details, reach out to us. The people at the uh, hospitality table will help you know exactly how to get there. But we have four people being baptized. Uh, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Daniel. Yeah. So, and I think... Uh, Shayla, I don't. I think Shayla's, Shayla's probably downstairs in the children's ministry. So Henry, it's a great night for you. Me and dads, it's going to be dad's night with our children. So seeing our children being baptized, that's awesome, awesome feeling. And then I know there's a, another young lady being baptized tonight too. So uh, Jeremy knows who that is. But uh, exciting times for seeing young people get baptized. All right, um, Rick, get Rick to come up. Thank you, Tim. All right, so again, uh, welcome to Impact. Again, I'm seeing a lot of new faces, uh, people here for the first time. Um, we are glad you're here. Uh, we hope that you find a church home, uh, being with us, worshiping the Lord. Uh, so I have two announcements. Announcement number one is one of the big ministries that we try to do is with the JF football team. Uh, so what we do is we do it with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So uh, every Wednesday night, we do an FCA football meal, and we do it right down at the um, locker room at the pavilion, and basically we invite the kids, varsity and JV kids that want to stay after practice on Wednesday nights uh, for a meal, All right? And then after the meal, we give them a devotion, uh, and we pray with them, and it's really been a great ministry. I mean, the Lord has really used it. Uh, this is probably the third year, fourth year that we have done that. And so with that being said, I need your help. So next week, I'm going to have a sign up uh, over here on the offering table. Um, there's going to be a sign up. All right. And what I just simply need you to do is uh, if you are interested in participating and participating is this. Uh, we need to help you pr uh, help us provide some of the food and drinks uh, for the kids, all right? So what, what you'll do is you'll sign up, put, a, put your contact number so I can get in touch with you, and then 
what I will do is through the season, we do it all season long, um, I will contact you ahead of time, all right, and say, hey, you, you signed up to help, all right, would you be willing to do this? All right, drinks, you know, bottled waters, Gatorades, um, box of chips. Um, I'm also looking for people that are willing to, to do a meal. Um, so we basically average anywhere from, uh, in the past, it's been as many as, uh, you know, 30, 40 people uh, of the kids will stay around. Um, and a lot of them stay around for the food, but it's like we tell them, we're going to give you physical food and then we're going to give you spiritual food. All right. And so that's one of the ministries. So that'll be available next week. We want as many people to participate. Um, it just makes it easier for me organizing it and, and being down there. So with that being said, I appreciate it. And then number two, so this is, uh, tomorrow is the first day of school. All right. Um, and so this cafeteria will be used by the students and we have to set it up all right so today uh, we have to actually bring all the tables out and we're going to set those up and then all the chairs will go with the tables too so um, after the service what i need you to do is again just stack your chairs all right during that process we'll be pulling the tables out all right and we'll be setting the tables up all right um, and then once the tables are set up then the chairs need to be put back under the table, all right? And it's 12 uh, chairs per table, six on each side, all right? And it's basically five rows of eight that come this way, all right? So we'll, you'll see it as we go. It'll be a process, um, you know, but the janitor was very specific on how he wanted me to, you know, make sure it looked. So I'll be around making sure that that, that, that happens, all right? Anyway, so that's my announcement, so I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you helping getting us all set up and organized. Uh, last couple things, we uh, we do love to partner with our schools, so uh, I want to say a big thank you to everyone here. We were able to take backpacks and school supplies to both Thomas Jefferson Elementary School this week and to Jefferson Forest High School this week, so you guys did a great job, and I see more supplies here. So this is uh, all throughout the school year. They're going to need other supplies. So the more you bring in, uh, we'll get it to the schools. I know uh, there's a, a Jefferson Forest. They have a closet here uh, that they put school supplies in, food supplies, hygiene supplies, whatever uh, is brought to them that they need for the students. So, and same thing for uh, Thomas Jefferson Elementary. Uh, we can always get other supplies to them throughout the school year. Um, and one thing I would like for you to pray about, I'm going to try to get a list of staff that works at these two schools and if we can start doing like a postcard note as a church to pray for the teachers janitors staff anybody who works at these schools and we can do like a little postcard note now there's a lot of student i mean a lot of staff and teachers that work at both schools so it needs all of us to write little notes so i'm gonna get some cards and i'm gonna have them out next week uh, i want you to pray about it pray for this this the teachers and staff, I'm going to get a name so we can put names to these. And so we can, throughout the school year, uh, let's pray for them. Let's write them encouragement note, encouraging notes, and let's support them that way. So, so, so many different ways we can support them. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for your blessings on us. Thanks for uh, we can be in your house to, to worship you and to serve you. And thanks for opportunities we have in this community uh, to just serve. Like Rick said, like FCA. Uh, we can serve through them. We can provide meals to the football team. 
uh, and football players love to have food, and, and while they're eating physical food, we have an opportunity to share uh, scripture, share Jesus Christ, the gospel, to give them spiritual food. And Father, we've seen over the years the impact it's had on these young men uh, who come after practice to ha have a meal and also to hear your truth and your love. God, we love you and thank you so much for all these opportunities. We pray your blessings on tonight's baptism service and our family fun night where we get together and, and have food and have uh, fellowship. Uh, just bless that in a special way, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning, Impact family. Let's all stand together as we worship our Lord today.
bless him today. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad we serve an awesome and a holy God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. This is the same God that we serve today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It's a new song that we've learned lately called Same God. We invite you to sing along with us, worship with us today.
trust you, Lord. You're a good father, good father. You heard your children then, you hear your children now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You answered prayers back then. the same God you were providing then and you are providing now you are the same God you are the same God next song we want to share with you is a, is a new song and I just wanted to uh, 
teach you the verse and the chorus of it, and then we'll sing it together. It's called You've Already Won. The verse goes like this. There's peace that outlasts darkness And hope that's in the blood There's future grace that's mine today That Jesus Christ has won So I can face tomorrow For tomorrow's in your hand Just like you always have. The chorus goes like this. Christ, I'll say that it is well. 
love this next truth. Father, you are victorious. Sometimes it seems like we may be just struggling through the battle, but we know that you are the beginning and the end. God, that you have all authority and power. You're a faithful God, as we have seen. You're a good God. God, I pray for every situation here today, Father, that you will make yourself known. And Lord, even in the struggle, Father, we praise your name. God, we know that you're with us. God, we praise you in advance for what you're doing, Father, making us more like you, Father. And even though things are not fair many times, God, we trust that you, you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. 
Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We pray that as we hear your word today, God, we'll be changed to be more like you. We pray that we can live in victory knowing that you have already won the battle. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As God's Spirit works within us, we are being transformed. It's not a one-time event. To become more like Christ. This change from one degree of glory to another, one level of maturity to the next, comes from the Lord. Amen. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Good stuff. Hey, I think maybe some college students are starting to trickle back in. How about that? Any Liberty or college students here in the area starting to trickle around? All right. I figure we see more and more here the next coming weeks. We may have to start putting some of them extra chairs back out next Sunday. Good to have y'all back. And if you're visiting with us today as well, see a lot of new faces, welcome to Impact Church. And we say every single week here that we are so glad that uh, you're here worshiping with us. And those aren't just words. We really mean that because we are looking for people, for families like you that God would lead here to get plugged in to serve Christ in this community through this church. So we're glad you're here. We hope the Lord anchors you here. We hope this is your last stop, your last shop as you look for a church home. God's doing an amazing work. We would love for you to be a part of this amazing work that he is doing. And also, if you're looking for a great church that preaches the word of God and doesn't apologize for it, doesn't sugarcoat it or water it down, you're in the right place. So uh, here we go. And we're going to dive right in here in a second. But first, obviously, tonight, big night, uh, family fun night. Come on out to the pool at Wildwood and uh, come socialize and uh, belly flop and do all that fun stuff. And then uh, people are going to get baptized. So we're going to celebrate people walking in newness of life. Um, So if you're coming, bring a side dish, um, either a... uh, like a macaroni and cheese or something like that, bring a side dish or a dessert to share, all right? We've got hot dogs and drinks and chips and all that stuff, but if y'all bring some side items, that'll make it just, everybody can get a little fatter and and, uh, put some more calories in their system, all right? So come on out tonight, have a great time uh, and fellowship with that. Diving right in, we're continuing in our sermon series entitled Barrier Breakers, Overcoming Life's Toughest Obstacles. And we've been going through some big ones. And today is no different because we've gone through things like pride and fear and anger and taming the tongue and overcoming pain of the past. That was last week. So today, and I alluded to it last week, is almost a piggyback off of last week, and that's overcoming pain of the past because today we're going to talk about how to defeat bitterness and unforgiveness. Because so often, if we're living in the pain of the past, that means we're living in some bitterness and some unforgiveness. Because it's easy to do. It really is. Because life's hard. And let's just just be, you know, really honest. Life's hard, and people make it harder. Right? This is what it is. People also make it better. Right? When we're all living in Christ and doing fellowship, but we can also mess things up. We're all good at that because we're all sinners. We all have depravity and selfishness in our own hearts and lives. And so when that happens to us and things happen against us, it's easy to become bitter and want revenge or want to take it out on somebody. So we're going to look at today how to defeat that, how to overcome that. So in other words, today, we're going to learn how to be set free today. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you're living in that right now, you're living in prison. You're in prison. 
You can deny it. You can shake it out anything you want. Well, Brad, you don't know what they did to me. I, oh, okay, I get it. But if you're living in bitterness and unforgiveness, you're in prison right now. You need to break out of the cell. And Jesus wants to break you out today, all right? So this is the start. And it's a process, but today's going to start it, all right? Because we're going to hear truth. Because we all know in our society the danger of poison. We have labels on all kinds of stuff, like all your kitchen cleaners and bathroom cleaners and stuff where there's poison in it. It's poisonous, hazardous, don't drink. If you drink, do this. We know the dangers of drinking poison, right? Nobody is going to set out to do that intentionally, I mean, you know, I know there are situations, but you know what I'm saying? In a normal, healthy state of mind, you're not going to do that intentionally. So if you did do that intentionally, would you expect to, your body to be healthy afterwards? <laughs> Absolutely not. You would never, and I would never drink poison and expect to be healthy tomorrow or even for the next few hours. Bad things are going to happen. Guys, the same is true when we drink the poison of bitterness and unforgiveness. And how often do you and I drink it so much and expect our lives to be fine? And that's not what happens. Because bitterness and unforgiveness is a poison to our soul. I mean, when we drink that, and, and then we wonder so often why we're having health issues, why we're having physical symptoms, while we're having spiritual hang-ups, while we're having emotional difficulties, while we're having mental health issues. It's because we're taking in poison and letting it stay in our system. And boy, the enemy just loves that. He can just sit back and be like, yeah, I got him. But Christ wants to do something in us that's more powerful than the evil that's been done against you. I'm going to say that again. Christ wants to do something through me, through you, that's more powerful than the evil that's been done against you. And it's only going to happen through forgiveness. You've got to let go. And you've got to get out of prison. You know, a lot of us are also familiar, if you're a, a superhero fan, or maybe you were when you were little, um, you're familiar with Superman. And Superman had all these great powers, right? And, and, and he could do great things through supernatural powers that he had, right? And we know that's fictional, but just kind of follow along with me for a second. Because we know there's a, a real supernatural power that wants to do something through us. That's where I'm getting somewhere, okay? So he had some supernatural powers that he could accomplish. But there was one thing that if Superman got around it, it crippled him. Took him out. He couldn't do nothing. No matter what was going on, no matter who needed help, no matter what the situation was, he couldn't do anything because something had crippled him. What was it? Kryptonite. I'm glad y'all know Superman. So now you can align Superman that you know so well with your Bible that you'll know so well. Guys, the kryptonite for you and me that will keep us from experiencing our supernatural potential in Christ that he wants to do in our life is unforgiveness and bitterness. If you want to not experience anything Christ has for you or to others around you, live in bitterness and unforgiveness. That's your kryptonite. You will never be who God's called you to be. You won't. You have to be set free from this. You have to be. Christ did it for us so we could be set free. Now he wants to, as such, give it to others so that we can be set free again and so that the light of Christ will shine out of us to them. So, 
to this point in your life, looking back, and even where you're at now, of all the people who have hurt you the most, who is it? What names, what faces come to your mind right now when you ask yourself that question? Who wounded you? Who betrayed you? Who gossiped about you? Slandered your name? Defamed your character? Lied about you? Who walked out on you? Who even somebody at church (laughs) backstabbed you? Lied about you, turned around and made you look like the bad guy. Who cheated on you? Who abused you or your family? Who's hurt you the most? Here's the next question. Have you forgiven them? Boom. Have you forgiven them? I don't just mean have you said the words. I mean have you forgiven them in your heart displays it. That's what we're going to look at today because a lot of us, all of us, every single one of us can say a word. Yeah, I forgive you. You say it with our tongues but not mean it with our heart. So have we forgiven those who have trespassed against us? You see, because many of us are not accomplishing what we're capable of. We're not living out our full godly potential Because we're still living in the pain in the past and we're harboring, many of us, unforgiveness, bitterness, and the pain of yesterday. Remember we said last week, you don't have to let the pain of yesterday and the pain of today be the pain of tomorrow. You and I can make a choice through Christ to be set free. And experience, get this, the fullness of the godly potential that you and I have, that God wants to do through us. So today we're going to learn and hopefully do more than learn. We're going to act out, live out, apply how to defeat bitterness and unforgiveness today. Let me pray for us before we dive right in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, Father, and we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of your Son, God in the flesh, the spotless Lamb, whose body was broken and blood was shed so that we could be forgiven because, Lord, we've trespassed against you. And, Lord, you did what we could not do for ourselves, and that's you sent the only act of forgiveness for our sin. Lord, I don't say that lightly, and I hope so many times we just blow through that, we just say that, Lord, you forgave our our sin, that we accrued a debt against you that we couldn't pay. And Lord, you paid it all through him. So Lord, right now, as we enter a heavy topic, Lord, that affects every single one of us in this room, every single one of us, Lord, I pray that we would hear you today, hear your word, because Lord, I believe there's some people in here that are living in kryptonite, that are drinking poison. And we need to be set free today. So, Lord, we need to hear from you. And, Lord, we need to be more than just hearers of your word. We need to be doers. Father, would you move in us? Would you do something in us that we can't do for ourselves? Would you give us the power, the strength, the heart to forgive? 
those who've come against us. So, Lord, I pray that you would move today like you always do through your word. And, Lord, you get all the glory for everything that you're about to do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so here we go. If you have a copy of God's word with you, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read some of the strongest words ever written and ever said. And it's going to be the words of Jesus. Because he's going to tell us something. And if you're familiar with Matthew chapter 5 and the start, we get something called the Beatitudes. Where Christ is calling us to something different if we're in him. So let's read Matthew chapter 5 after the Beatitudes. And we're going to skip way on down. And we're going to read verses 43 through 48. 43 through 48 in Matthew chapter 5. The Word of God says this, You've heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even... The tax collectors do so? Therefore, somebody say therefore. (laughs) You shall be perfect. What? Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. All right. (laughs) We just got a standard there. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, but that standard is unattainable for you and me. (laughs) You see that? So there's only one place that we're actually going to be able to find the strength, the power, the ability to live out everything that Jesus just said. That's in him. Because he's the only one that's perfect. And when you look at this Greek word right here for perfect, it's the word teleos. And it actually means mature or complete. So when you think of something that's fully mature, complete, we know that in the process of sanctification, if you're saved, you've been justified, and then God wants you to walk through the process of sanctification. If you're not going through the process of sanctification, maybe you need to examine yourself, see if you're you're of the faith, and make sure you've really been justified. Because sanctification always follows justification. Okay, because it's a heart issue. It's a heart process. God gives you a new spirit. God gives you his spirit in you, gives you a new heart, and gives you a desire to walk out his ways. That's Ezekiel that tells us that, all right, in chapter 36. So look at this. Here's a a standard of completion, maturity, perfection that will only be attained through Christ and actually will only be attained in our glorified body one day, right? None of us will ever be perfect until we're in glory one day. So we go from justified, sanctified, to glorified. But in this process of sanctification, God is calling us to something. He's calling us to be Christ-like. 
okay? He's calling us, even in our imperfection, even in our um, messed up states that we're in, even in the, the, the ways we all fail and mess up, God's still calling us to change, to be surrendered more, to live like Christ more. Here's one of those situations. So right off the bat, we know this isn't hard to do this. It's impossible without Jesus. It's impossible to do what we're going to talk about today without Christ. So right off the bat, if you don't have Christ in your heart, if you're not surrendered to the Lord and you're not living by the Spirit and you're gratifying the desires of the flesh, right now, this will be impossible to you. First things first, you have to make Jesus and the Spirit of the Lord, Lord of your life, live by the Spirit so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, because if you're not doing that, you're going to the flesh is going to act out and you're going to want to retaliate against the people that hurt you. That's just how we're wired. We have to deny ourselves, get rid of that, take up our cross and follow Jesus daily. Okay, so there's the first call right off the bat. Let's just get that straight. We're not going to do this by trying harder. Okay, all right. This isn't just um, a, a hard thing to do. This is impossible. So if you think that You and I, in any facet, in any situation, not just forgiveness, but if you think we're going to exemplify Christ's likeness on our own without the power of the Spirit in our life, you're sadly mistaken. Many people try. You can try to to live out Christ's likeness and do things in your own strength, in your own way, with your own energy, energy. And some people may really get good at doing that in their self effort, and they're called Pharisees because they've done it the wrong way. So this isn't about trying harder, doing more, and and rules and regulations, and I've got to do this. No, this is about surrendering your heart and everything to the Spirit of God and letting him do his work through you, right? Then and only then can we do this call to love our enemies. That's like counterculture. That's that's not normal. (laughs) I mean, love your enemies? That's our call. And then it gets really specific. Love those who persecute you. Love those who are using you. Love those who are cursing you, saying bad things behind your back. Love those who hurt you. That's tight. (laughs) Because the Lord says, what good is it if the only person you're nice to and greed and love are your boys? (laughs) Are your girls? What do y'all call your girls? Your homegirls? What do y'all call them? What have we done if that's the only people that we love and we're nice to? Because he says this, aren't the tax collectors like that? What does the translation of that mean? Aren't people without Christ like that? Right? Aren't the lost like that? So if the lost and the people who don't have Christ in their heart do that, what good is it to you if that's the only people you're nice to and you're mean to your enemies yourself? Because he's got something else. So what is he saying? You be different. You be set apart. You, Christ followers, you that call yourself a Christian, be different. You have a new master. If you're really in me and the master's not yourself, the master's not your flesh. The master's not your emotions. The master's not your feelings. The master is is Christ and his likeness. So this is a counterculture message, and it commands to be walked out in the Spirit. And it's only happened through the power of mature believers who live with a relational focus and devotion to Christ. 
And as such, that will be reflected to others. That's the beautiful part, that this happens with our focus on Jesus, and it's reflected out to others. So here we go. We've got the standard. We've got the command. But how is this fleshed out? I mean, don't you love it when, when somebody gives us a command, gives us some expectations, but then there's an example to go by? Well, I mean, it's great if there's a biblical example. So what would be a great biblical example of how forgiveness was fleshed out, of how everything that was just said is done? Well, if there's anybody in the Bible that's ever had a right to live in unforgiveness or bitterness, if there's everybody, anybody that's ever had a right to say, man, life isn't fair, everybody is giving me a raw deal, if anybody in the Bible has ever had a right to be mad, bitter, harbor resentment, seek revenge, is Joseph. Joseph. Come from a dysfunctional family, a lot of jealousy issues, a lot of family pain. He was betrayed by his own family. Maybe somebody in here that's experienced that. Sold into slavery by his own brothers. They had plotted to even kill him, but thank goodness one of them didn't and stepped up and come against him. But still the same, he was thrown in a cistern and then sold into slavery by his own family. And then he gets in this situation in slavery where he gets lied about. Even after standing up for righteousness in a situation where he could have been unfaithful to the Lord, but he decided to be faithful to God and not gratify the desires of his own flesh. And inside of that, somebody took offense and lied about him. And it got him thrown into prison. Think about that. And then when he's in prison, so now your best friends become jail cellmates, right? And he makes some friends. And he helps them out. He helps people out. And then they make a promise that, hey, when we get out, man, we're going to help you. Yeah, man, we're good. All right, get me out of here. And what happens? Somebody didn't come through with their promises. That ever happened to you? And left you in a situation that you didn't deserve to be in. It was Joseph. Forgotten. Left aside. Pushed to the bottom continuously. I think he would have a right to live in unforgiveness and bitterness, don't you? When everything seemed to be happening wrong, and let's just be honest, it all was happening as a result of who? People. All right, let's get a biblical kind of reference to this now. Our battle is not against people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. But there's a spiritual enemy that's using it to get at us. So basically, this battle, this forces of evil in the heavenly realms have this spiritual battle going on, and it's always brought to earth by people in our depraved state and heart and sin. So sin was allowing all these bad things to happen. He had a right to be bitter. He had a right to be angry. He had a right not to forgive. But he didn't. He didn't. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the story of Joseph goes in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. That's almost a third of the first book of the Bible is <laughs> given to the story of Joseph. Do you think God wanted us to learn something in there, Nat? Oh, Come on. 
And there's a lot of messages you can preach through that story. But we want to single out and bring out the forgiveness that Joseph had to walk in. Something he had to face that we all have to face to overcome life's valleys, life's tough times, life's uh, disappointments and relational issues. If we're going to stay on our way to God's destiny and what he wants us to be, we have to release bitterness and have a heart of forgiveness, not a heart of revenge, if we're going to walk in that. So, Joseph. Obviously, we don't have time to read chapters 37 through 50. Y'all would have had to pack a lunch and a dinner, too. We're not going to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to skip to the end. Y'all ever do that when you're reading a book in high school? You don't have to, I mean, you know, saying, I ain't going to read the whole book. I just want to see how it ends, right? Well, we're going to kind of see how it ends, and then we're going to kind of go back through a little bit of bits and pieces through the story, but turn to Genesis chapter 50, and I want to read a little bit about kind of almost how this story ends. We'll read verses 15 through 21. 15 through 21. Genesis chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said... Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we do to him, which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, You know everything we just talked about in a nutshell that just happened to him because of their sin. This is what he said. Do not be afraid, for I am, for am I in the place of God? In other words, am I going to be your judge? No. But as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Did you see that? See, Joseph didn't just end up Forgiving them with words and just say, I forgive you. But deep down inside, have a grudging spirit and a, and a vendetta. He outwardly displayed that his heart were in alignment with his words by how he would bless them and their families and provide for them. So therefore, we see that true forgiveness, true forgiveness that God wants us to walk in, get this, is not just words. It's action. Then and only then will we know that the process of forgiveness has come to completeness and maturity. And it's a process. It's not done overnight. It's not done by one sermon. (laughs) It's not done as soon as you walk out of here. Oh, I'm good. No, there's a process you're going to have to go through. Yes, it may have to start right here, right now with God's truth. Because it's a choice. And we're going to see that. So that's how it ended. But did you know, did you see this? And we know that when somebody sins against us, it's like they accrue a debt. 
It's like, a, it's like a, there's a debt. Like so, so when we sinned against God, there was a debt that we couldn't pay for the penalty of our sin. So when somebody sins against us, it's like there's a debt. So what we're doing when we forgive is we're choosing to release the debt that's due to them. That's what Jesus did for you and me through Christ on the cross is he chose to forgive a debt we couldn't pay through his son. And now he wants to, in turn, for us to reflect that to other people. Okay, so here in the first thing is, if you're taking notes, forgiveness starts with a choice. It's a choice that I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart. There's a choice that starts this process. Make that choice today for whoever you had in your heart and in your mind at the beginning. You need to excuse that debt and release that person. Now, get this. When we choose to forgive somebody like that, that does not mean we excuse what happened. We're excusing the debt, the repaying. We're not excusing what happened. We're not saying you should just forget about what happened. We're not saying that what happened is not important. That's not what you're doing when you forgive. You're choosing from this point forward to forgive a debt that's due because of what happened. So you're not forgetting about it, but you're choosing to relate to that person based on their, you're choosing not to relate to that person, rather, based on their infraction against you, their trespass, their sin. So that being said, we know that basically there's really two types of forgiveness, if you kind of put it in a nutshell. There's a unilateral forgiveness, all right, which is like one-sided. That's the biblical forgiveness that we just read about in Matthew chapter 5. That's when somebody's against you, talking about you, your enemy. They haven't asked for forgiveness. They're not trying to right the ship, nothing. They're actually still doing it against you. We're called to forgive even if it's one-sided. That's where it gets impossible. That's tough. So this is one-sided forgiveness, and it's unconditional of the person's response after the trespass. I'm going to say that again. This choice to forgive biblically right here is unconditional of how that person acts after they've been confronted or after they did what they did, whatever the case may be. Because this type of forgiveness displays Christ's likeness. It releases us to keep going keeps us from being hostage to bitterness. And it's even what Jesus said on the cross. Do you remember what he said? One of the words that he spoke on the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They were in the current act of doing bad things to Jesus. In spite of, he asked for that unilateral forgiveness. That's Romans 5.8 to us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a beautiful part of the gospel, that Christ doesn't wait for us to get our life right first for us to come to him. That we come to him, he paid the price, and we come to him, then he does the work in us of transforming us from the inside out afterwards. So this heart of, this heart of repentance that starts with just, hey, I have a change of mind. 
And that's where we lay it down and surrender to Jesus. And we're justified. And then he picks that up, that heart of repentance that should stay in you continuously as a believer. And then he gives you a change of heart because of that change of mind, which leads to a change of action. That's sanctification. That's the process of the spirit in us. But get this, you don't have to go through the acts of repentance first to be saved. Praise God. It's not about works that we're saved. It's by faith. And God knows our heart when we come and truly surrender to him. And then God wants to do a transforming work through that process. So it's the example that Jesus gave. Just even if it's unilateral, even if it's one-sided, forgive them when they don't deserve it, in other words. But then there's another type of forgiveness, and this is a two-sided of forgiveness that seeks restoration. For there's a, a mutual desire for reconciliation of the relationship or, or the connection or whatever was broken because of the trespass, all right? So the, the person that's done the offending will also seek forgiveness. They will confess and they will have a heart attitude of repentance and wanting to do different from that point forward, all right? Joseph's brothers here, we see through that story, we don't have time to read it all, wanted forgiveness. Now, whether their motive was pure once they found out who he was, who knows? You see, all of a sudden, once they found out that he was top dog, right, over them, that, uh, oh, yeah, can you forgive us? I don't know, right? So, but the only thing that would let you know whether their motives were pure is what? Actions afterwards, where it wasn't just words, but it was a, a change of heart, that led to different actions, all right? So we know that confession by itself is not always genuine. Just saying I'm sorry is not always genuine. Judas was sorry, but Judas didn't repent or change action. Peter was sorry and repentant after he denied Christ. And it was manifested where his actions backed up his change of heart that showed his words. All right? So actions will always follow for this. This is what's important. Because if anybody's ever come against you and, and, and you're trying to give forgiveness and walk through a process and they're seeking forgiveness and they want to restore the relationship and the fellowship that was once had, there's a process that they have to allow you and that you have to go through where you know that their motives are pure, where you know that they're really changed or else you're going to get hurt again. Does that make sense? And a lot of times there's vulnerability we have to go through in relationships anyway. But that doesn't mean that if somebody's come against you that you can't set up some healthy boundaries first and give time for that process of repentance to be shown and manifested in their life. All right? So that's the mutual forgiveness but then that unilateral forgiveness is the forgiveness more we're talking about here inside of these passages in Matthew and that we're going to see in Matthew chapter 6 and Romans chapter 12 as well. All right. So even Joseph, in a sense, tested his brothers, if you read chapters 42 and 43, to see if their motives were pure. He wanted to test them to see if they could be trustworthy, right? To go back and, and, um, and put a cup in their bag. And he did different things to test their integrity. So he didn't want to just take a a confession when it would come, and then we're going to see that in chapter 45, all right? So let's look at this right here, because this is how we're going to know, looking at this 
life of Joseph, how we know when forgiveness is being fleshed out in our own life. When we're walking through the act of forgiveness, and it's more than just words for us saying, yes, I forgive you. This is how we're going to know because we're going to see how Joseph responded to the people who had trespassed against him. The people who he had every right and every power in his situation. Now, let's get that right. He had the power to zap them. He had the power to get them now. But he didn't, and he acted differently. So let's see that. Turn to chapter 45 in Genesis, if you still have your thumb in Genesis there. Chapter 45, there's this series of things we see right here in the front part of this chapter that show how Joseph was walking through the act of forgiveness And it's an example to us how we'll know that uh, the forgiveness is authentic and it's in our heart. And it's displayed by actions. First of all, in the first part of chapter 45, it says that Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So there was a group of people around with his brothers and he made them go out. It says, so no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of the Pharaoh heard it. So they could hear him weeping, but they didn't hear and see the process of what was going on. So the first thing Joseph did, and the first thing how we will know that healing is taking place in our life and that forgiveness is starting to take place, is we don't need to vent to others who have nothing to do with the situation. I'm going to say it again. When true forgiveness is more than words and is overtaking your heart, you will not feel the need to vent to others who have nothing to do with the situation. Joseph asked for everybody to get out. This is between just me and my brothers. How about you? Man, so many times, and this is what's tempting for me, and I know it's, it's tempting for you, is, man, when somebody hurts us and something's gone wrong, and, and then, man, it's, and, and it's about that time where maybe they're wanting forgiveness, or, or somebody's asking you, man, why don't you just forgive them? You don't know what they did to me. You want to you know what they did? Da, 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 da. You want to vent. And, and, and what's part of that vengeance? It seems innocent. You can put a few, a few Bible verses with it if you want, but what are you doing? Revenge. Passive-aggressive revenge by venting and putting down the other person to somebody else who has nothing to do with the situation. Joseph got everybody out. He didn't bring other people in on it. You always are going to know somebody still has a bitter heart and harboring unforgiveness when they gossip and when they vent to other people who don't have anything to do with the situation. They're not there yet. Number two, what else did Joseph do? Let's read verses four and five. Verse four and five, it says, And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother. So he's just shown that, hey, I'm your brother. I'm the one that you did all that evil to. He says, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. (laughs) For God sent me before you to preserve life. Oh my goodness. Boy, if that doesn't exemplify a heart of forgiveness and release of bitterness and unforgiveness, there is nothing else that does. Because what did he just say in our second part here? Basically, he just said, I'm forgiving you, and get this, I don't even want you to feel guilty about what you did. What? 
You see, so many times, our, 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 whatever you want to call it, our stipulation for our forgiveness is if somebody feels completely guilty and horrible about themselves, then I'll forgive you. Does that sound familiar? And if I don't see you feeling horrible about yourself for the rest of your life, I'm going to dangle this over your head for months, years in our relationship. You're always going to remember what you did. I'm going to make you feel guilty every time. You ever done that to somebody? That's not forgiveness. It's not. Joseph said, I don't even want you to feel guilty about what you did anymore. Why? Why, why, why? Here's the transformational process that you can only have in Christ. This is why Christ is necessary. Because he believed in the sovereignty of God enough to believe that even what the brothers did and all the horrible things and all the horrible things that happened because of that, he knew God and his sovereignty was leading him somewhere through it. How many times do you and I miss that? I miss it all the time. How about you? (laughs) Just want to be honest. I miss that God is sovereign even over situations where somebody is harming me because God is using it to do something in and through me and usually also that I can show Christ's likeness so God can speak to that own person's heart for their sin and their trespass to get their heart right. And then he wants to take us to a place where he's want to use it for his glory and for our purpose. In other words, Joseph said, God had a plan. So another, so that second part is we'll know that forgiveness is taking over our heart when we are okay to get around those other people that have hurt us and not make them feel guilty and trust that God had a plan even through it. That's hard. That's hard. Remember, it's impossible without Christ. We have to trust him. And then we have to display that forgiveness back that he's given us. Third thing that Joseph did, you skip on down to verse number nine. He says, hurry up, go, go up to my father and say to him, thus says, your son Joseph, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. That's all he told him to say. If he didn't have a heart of forgiveness, what would he have told him to say? You go back. You tell dad I'm alive. And you tell them all the horrible things you just did to me. Because I want you to hurt again. You see, that's a, that's a, that's a vengeance point. So, point number three, what did Joseph just do there? That we'll know that the heart of forgiveness has overtaken us. True forgiveness protects the people who harmed you and others from being hurt further. True forgiveness wants to protect the ones who harmed you and others around them from being hurt further. You see, true forgiveness, he said, hey, I, don't, I ain't worried about what you did. Just go tell him I'm alive and I'm here and I want to see him. Who cares how we all got here? But see, if he didn't have forgiveness, he'd be like, go, go just tell him. If you don't tell him, I will. I'm going to tell him. And I want y'all to hurt. But then who else would that have hurt? Tremendously. Dad. That would have hurt Dad. To know what had happened this whole time and why his brother, what his brothers had done to him. So, true forgiveness there. We're not venting to others who have nothing to do with this situation. We're willing to be around the people and not meet them feel guilty and grieve over what they had done. And we're willing to protect them and others from being hurt further. That's forgiveness. That's the act. So, what helped him to get here? I mean, that's, that's huge. That doesn't just happen tomorrow. 
That's, that's insane, right? I mean, you're talking about years and years and years and years and pain this young man went through. It wasn't just a, just a little, oh, he said a bad, bad thing about me. He said a little lie. No, 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 no. It caused him horrible pain and, and, and torture and, and bad things happening to him. And he just releases them. What got him there? What helped him forgive? We need to know this because it's what's going to help us forgive. Okay? All right? Let's turn back. Chapters 41. Chapter 41. Let's read verses 50 through 52. What got him to chapter 45 where he could do that? Chapter 41, verse 50 to 52. And it says, And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So what helped him forgive? What's going to help us forgive? Have a baby, right? Just have a baby. Have two of them. When we show you a little trick, take your mind off that past here, have a baby. There's going to be so much going on right here, you're going to forget all about that past. You know what I'm saying? No, that's not it. That's not it. Just a joke. What did God do? obviously gave him a new family, a new direction, not defined by his previous hurt. And what did he name his sons? The Bible tells us here what their names were and what the meaning was. This is huge because it means something. That Manasseh, the firstborn, says, God has made me forget my past trouble and my father's household. So that first step that helped him was the realization that God has made me forget the past. Then he had a second, Ephraim. What was his name? What did it mean? God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In other words, I'm forgetting my past. I'm moving forward because God is sovereign. He's given me a new direction and a new path, and he's blessing me in it. This, I'm walking out what God truly wanted me to have. And I would not have got here. I would have never ended up in Egypt in this position had the past not happened. So let's take this this over-glaring kind of point here. He had two kids. Do you see your kids every day? <laughs> yeah. All the time? Yeah. So what did Joseph have in front of him? Two daily, constant reminders that God is sovereign so I can forget my past and my troubles and I can trust God who is protecting me and providing for me now and has a plan. So what, did you, what do you and I need to get to this point of chapter 45 where Joseph can release everybody? We have to have daily reminders that God is sovereign, that we can forget our past, not just that it, mean it didn't happen and ignore it and stuff it way down. That causes other issues, right? We know there's counseling, some other things that, that we can do to, to get past. But we cannot let that past define us because God wants to take us somewhere through it. These were constant daily reminders in front of Joseph. We need those same constant daily reminders in front of us if we're ever going to get there. It comes through this. You don't need to go have two babies. Here's your daily constant reminders that God is sovereign, God is with you, God has a plan even through the pain, and that if we can walk through trials and consider it joy, he's going to do a work of perseverance in us to make us mature and complete. Remember that, remember that, that complete, be perfect thing at the beginning? 
It only happens through adversity. We got to be tested by fire. So God wants to show you his sovereignty so much so that you can see through pain and difficulty and yes, even through the circumstances where people hurt you and it seemed meaningless that God still has something in that. There's a reason he allowed that. Again, sometimes the reason is to reach that other person, to expose them for who they are and what's going on in their heart so they can get right. But then also God wants to use you through that as you show Christ's likeness. So unforgiveness blocks you, essentially, from the supernatural potential that God wants you to have in your life. It's that kryptonite. But yet forgiveness opens you up to that potential for God to use you through it. We say it so many times that I think we don't even hear what we say when we say the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. We say it every single time we say it, and I don't think we get it. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. It's right there. What does that mean? It means that if I want to receive it, I've got to give it. That's what it means. Let's read Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. After that prayer, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That doesn't take a doctorate in theology to figure out right there. <laughs> That is just as simple as plain and laid out and point just right up in your grill as it's going to get. You want God to forgive you? You want to experience the blessing of God in your life? Then you've got to be able to forgive others and, yes, bless them. That only happens with a Christ-changed heart. And it's still hard, but that's the only place it happens. Man, isn't this somehow forgiveness is a, is a much wanted word when we need it? When I need forgiveness, man, that's an easy word to use. Lord, forgive me. To my wife, to people I've, I've done something against, please forgive me. To my kids, please forgive me. I was wrong. That's a, that's a very welcomed word out of my mouth when I want to receive it. How about you? But when I have to give it, you see that difference? God wants us to have the same heart in giving it as we do in receiving it. That's where God has to change us from the inside out. It's a recycling process, if you will. We're all familiar with recycling in our society where we recycle plastics and this, that, and the other, and yeah, whatever, cardboard, all right? And it gets used again. God wants to recycle the forgiveness he's given us. You see that? He wants to, he's given us forgiveness. He wants to then, therefore, put it back on other people that trespass against us. All right? And then also, that's just one part of it. God wants to recycle the pain that we've experienced through other people breaking us. He wants to recycle our pain and use it for his purpose. That's what we saw in Joseph. That all that pain, all that difficulty, the Bible constantly says, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. I don't know about you, when bad things are happening, that's hard for me to remember. God's still with you and he wants to guide you and direct you through it. God wants to recycle this forgiveness that he gave in us, to us, and used to others. Why? So we can shine the light of Christ through our pain. That's why. So that we can show others Christ's likeness. 
Because unforgiveness, let's be honest, is a detour off of God's path. Let me say it again. Unforgiveness is a detour off of God's path that he has for you. That is not what he wants. As we experience pain and trouble, remember, as you go through life, you're going to take heart. You know, I've overcome the world, but you're going to have pain and trouble. As we go through it, he wants us to forgive. That's the path. If we get off of that path, it's unforgiveness that takes us off. Okay? So, we have to release those who hurt us. Did you know this? That if you harbor bitterness or unforgiveness, you're continuing to give that person control over you. I want you to think about that. The last thing you want, if you're really upset at somebody, is to give them control, isn't it? I mean, the last thing you want to do is if somebody hurt you way back in 1992, is let them still hurt you in 2022, 2032. But you know, if you don't release them, if you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, they're still hurting you today just as much as they did back then. You don't want to give that person that much control, do you? Then let it go. Let the debt go. Let the debt go and forgive and let God start the process in your heart. Romans 12, 17 through 21. I want to read this out and close. It says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing, in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, there's a lot in there. But what we need to know is first that we can't retaliate. We can't revenge. Sure, you can try to do that, and God will let you do that. But don't take revenge in your own hands and expect God to do something. God just going to step back and be like, you're going to do it, you go ahead. I mean, how silly would it be to walk in a courtroom with a judge, a trained judge, with lots of experience as a lawyer usually, and, and, and through the system, and knows the processes of law, and he's sitting over this courtroom, and you walk up in there and be like, get out of the way, judge. Boop. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what this did, did to me. Let me take care of this, brother. Did you know you do that to God every time you take vengeance on somebody? You're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. You're not qualified to deal with this person. I am. you got to release and you can't take vengeance out. We know forgiveness is a process. The first part, I'm going to give you three parts really quick if you're taking notes. One is to forgive. That's the choice. It's not based on emotions or feelings. It's what Jesus did. And we can't get prideful in that. We can't just, we can't say, well, it's my right. He violated my rights. I'm going to stand on my rights. No, you got to release that to do this. Here's another way you could get prideful. By saying, you know what, I'm going to be this really great, awesome person, really godly saint, and I'm going to love and forgive this scumbag of the earth. <laughs> and act like you're better than them because you're choosing to do some actions. No, 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 no. That's not right. God knows your heart. That's not it. Forgiveness is a choice and then allows God to start a process because we know there's physical prices you and I pay if we harbor bitterness and unforgiveness. Did you know that? Just read them really quick to you what they are. This is on, you can Google this, chronic anger and resentment puts you in a fight-or-flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. 
You want to give that person control over your health too? No, you don't. Release it. Forgiveness is healthy. Unforgiveness causes bad problems. It's drinking poison and expecting the other person to die when you're dying the whole time. You've got to let it go, and you've got to get rid of it. So first part is just forgive. It's a choice. It's not based on emotions or feelings. Second part, forgiving. That's the process. That's the daily journey. That's where you really need to start praying for them, honestly. You'd be like, yeah, I'll pray for them, all right. Yeah, I'll pray. Pray the car break down to get four flat tires at the same time. They lose the job, and they go home, and the dog runs away all on the same day. Amen. <laughs> That's not praying for them. You've got to pray, remember, for God to bless them. Oh, that's hard. But that's what God wants. And if you start doing that, this process of forgiving, and it takes time, you're going to be on a roller coaster ride of emotions right there, baby. Good days, you're going to be here. Bad times, when you're going to be you're going to be up here again. But God wants to take you through this process. And eventually, those hills don't get so steep, and they start to level out as God starts to change your heart. Because you're praying for them. And he starts to change you inside. And you get the health benefits of that forgiveness. And then the third part of the forgiving process is forgive in. So you go from forgive to forgiving. That's the daily process. Now forgive in. It's complete. Now you can rejoice when you hear that there's blessing in their life. Because probably in that process of forgiving, you hear some good things happening. You go, that puts you down on that downhill side again. I can't believe that's not fair. You see what I'm saying? That's the process. But then when you're forgiven, you can rejoice. And then you can go, what the Bible just said there, when they're hungry, give them something. When they're thirsty, give them something. You can provide for them. Boy, that sounds like a path that somebody blazed already. What was his name? Um, Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. That's it. Don't take revenge. The Lord will repay in his own way. It won't be in your way. It'll be in his way. And the whole purpose of all this is so that we can bring peace and harmony. That's the opposite of discord, right? Remember, all the things God hates and the last one is abomination. That's bringing discord amongst the brethren. You want to keep discord amongst brethren and people in the church, you keep harboring bitterness and hatred and resentment. God hates that because he wants to shine the light across through you. He is, his command is for us to be salt and light, and that's how we're going to do it right here. As we close, and close for real, a lot of people see that verse 20 at the end of that passage in Romans 12 and say, oh, yeah, heat burning coals on their head when I forgive them. That's what I want to do. Pour some hot coals on their head. That's not the context. Heaping hot coals on their head was an Egyptian ritual where if somebody realized they had offended somebody and said something wrong or done something wrong, they would go start a fire and then take the coals, put them in a bowl, set them on top of their head on a towel, and walk around the village. <laughs> That's crazy. What does it mean? It gave the representation of I'm burning all the bad and wrong thoughts in my head away. So what happens when we forgive like that? That person that you want to be repentant, that you want to feel sorry, that's how it happens. And God will do that in a way that it makes them want to get their heart right with him as well. You see that? And then we've become salt and light. It's helped us, it's helped our brothers, and it's shined the light of Christ. And that verse 21 of Romans 12 ends by basically saying there's something more powerful than evil. Did you know that? 
What's more powerful than evil? It's good. That's why you don't want to repay evil with evil, because there's something stronger, there's something better, there's something more powerful, and that's good. That is how we defeat bitterness and unforgiveness. Some of you may just break out of your cell today. Christ wants to set you free. Will you release whatever debt that you feel like is owed you and offer forgiveness so that you can be set free and be and experience and accomplish all that God has for you, just like you did through Joseph? Let's bow our head, close our eyes. We're going to close, and I just want to know first and foremost... If there's anybody in here, you might honestly just say, Brett, I've never accepted Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. I've never surrendered my heart to him. And I want to be forgiven today. The first step in this process before you forgive somebody else is you got to be forgiven. And if that's you and you need that forgiveness, you need that assurance today that you're walking with Christ, that you're giving everything to him, would you do that right now? Just surrender your heart, your life to him. Just admit that you're a sinner have an attitude, a, a mindset of repentance in your mind that God will use to transform your heart and your actions. And just give it all to Jesus right now. If that's you, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. I'd like for you to do business with God. But if you're here and you're also, you also might say, Brad, I've, I've surrendered to the Lord earlier in my life and I've walked with him. And man, I, there was once a time I was on fire for Jesus, but lately, man, it's just I've grown cold and in my faith and in my walk. And I want to be renewed. I want to be restored. Man, life's hard. And, and man, I've I've drifted away, and I want to come running back to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to pray the same prayer. Do business with him and rededicate your life to him. So to accept him for the first time or to rededicate your life just boldly and unashamed right now, just say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. Lord, I've messed up. I've sinned against you, and I have a debt that I can't pay on my own. Lord, thank you for sending your only son, Jesus, the spotless lamb that was slain. His body was broken and his blood was shed to pay my debt that I couldn't pay so that I could be set free, so that I could be forgiven. And Lord, thank you for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God and that he stands in victory right now over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim that same victory right now in my life because I need it desperately. So, Father, would you come in and would you change me? My commitment to you is from this point forward for the rest of my life. I want to live for you and for your glory. Do something in me, Father, that only you can get credit for. Amen. You prayed that prayer right now in your business with God for the first time or rededicated your life to him. Would you just boldly and unashamed right now just raise your hand and say, Brad, I, I did business with God. Amen. I see your hands. If, if I don't, God does. Guys, we're going to close our, our service right here, as we do every week. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our, our, all our heart, with all our voice. And let's come right now as the Lord leads, whatever it is. Maybe you made a decision for Christ. Maybe you need prayer with a pastor up here over a loved one, over a situation going on. Maybe you want to just come and say you want to join the church, get plugged in, whatever. Whatever it is, let's come as the Lord leads. I'm
Amen, church. Let's give Jesus a big round of applause. He deserves it for his word. And I think we all need to take this message and let God permeate our heart with it that we can be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. This is big. This is huge. God wants to do a transforming work in us, through us, and in others if we can live this out through his spirit today. So let's have a, a daily reminder in front of us, a Manasseh in an Ephraim, right? That we can forget our past. It doesn't define us. God's in, in control and sovereign, and he's got us in the situation he has us in on purpose. Amen. So take it. Let's go make an impact this week. Come out tonight, 7 o'clock at the pool, fellowship, eat, and then we'll see you next Sunday. Bring somebody to church next week with you.